0: All right, well, here's Steve's birthday sermon. Welcome oh, yeah, there you go. Well, what I said at the first service was, uh about Martin Luther, and his birthday is on the 10th as well, but he would be about 625 years older than me and so forth, but uh, he, he's a funny guy that uh, he, he died of the same thing that John Wayne died of. If you don't know that story, you can look it up on Google, but uh, anywho, there you have it. It's kind of a you know a gross way to die, but... Anyway, um, so uh, anyway, at the uh, Christmas thing, I want to be a camel. If you if you've seen, yeah, if you've seen the Three Stooges, they often have a camel deal or a a, a, a cow deal. But I want to be the front of the camel, not the back part. So, if anybody wants to be a, a you know a camel, and uh, so you know, guys think the Three Stooges are hilarious. Girls look at it, most girls, and they go, I, I don't get it. You know what's so funny about that, and. The guys laugh their heads off, and they wake their wives up at, you know, 10 o'clock or 11, whatever, the, they're asleep, and and the women say, I don't, why did you wake me up? That's not even funny, you know, so. And by the way, there's a Three Stooges uh, uh, event every, around Thanksgiving every year, somewhere downtown at a movie theater, and they bring in all sorts of Three Stooges experts, which I would like to become one at some point in my life, a, a, a stooge expert. And uh, Larry Fine, who played Larry, didn't die till you know, fairly recently. He lived to be quite old, like into his 90s. And so they would kind of, you know, bring up in a, in a wheelchair whatever, and they'd ask him questions and whatever. kind of kind of fun. Larry Fine lived to be quite old. He was to call him Porcupine. He was the guy that, and then uh, Curly and Shemp. I want to, okay, you guys want to hear about it. But anyway, so we'll stop right there. But we've been talking about overcoming the fear of not enough, and jumped into it last week. Talked about the idea of confidence, and uh, you know we we said just to kind of you know catch you up if you weren't here, and if you were here you probably forgot about it. So I'll just catch you up because it was such a uh, memorable message. But uh, anyway, the the, talk about this idea that uh, Jesus very often talked about this and kind of I would say attacked it is what it boils down to, is that if we fear not having enough, then we begin to come against the the message of of Jesus, of the Bible, of of the kingdom of God. And we really do damage to our hearts, do damage to our our souls, our minds. And uh, I I think the enemy begins to get involved and we become, I I think, psychologically unstable. And so the way we stand against that, uh, for example, the fear of not enough uh, time, as we, we begin to grab onto it, the, the little bit of time as we perceive it, we usually exaggerate it, is that we grab onto it, become a, a miser of our time, and we dole it out very uh, stingily. Is that a word, stingily? Is that an adjective? And um, anyway, uh, and then we become very weird. You know, somebody says, could you volunteer for And we say, no, I have, I'm so busy. Uh, another one that's very, very sad is that we feel that we have not enough love We've been rejected in a relationship. We've been raised in a, a strange family, a, tragically, uh, a codependent fam- a word that's a, kind of a cliche word now. But uh, we uh, feel like we haven't been given enough love. We hold on to the little bit of love we feel we've gotten, left over, and then we uh, we can't figure out why people don't want to hang around us because we aren't very loving toward them. And that's, that's a real sad state of affairs. and. Uh, Then one we're going to attack big time at the end of the service today is one I mentioned last week is when we feel we don't have enough money, then we become a scrooge, and we never share any money. We become very strange, very odd. And oddly as it sounds, sometimes those with large amounts of money uh, feel like they have the least to give away. And every pastor I know, every church planter I know on and on it goes, has one or more or lots of stories to tell about people that are well healed, not H E A L E D, but H E E L E D, that have uh, an, an abundance of money, are sometimes the ones who least get the idea of letting money flow through them like a pipeline. They see it as a pan, and there's a, you know, a finite supply of money, and if they aren't careful, they'll run out of money. And as a, as a Christian, and even people that aren't Christians, like Tony Robbins and people like that, they, they're determined to live on 10% of what they bring in, and they give away 90%. Anybody heard of Tony Robbins? Have you heard Tony Robbins? Would you say he's a Christian? I don't think so, Jose. You know, he's, he's a guy that, that gives away that uh, his... That's my imitation of this comedian back in the 60s. Anyway, he, he was... Uh, actually, okay, never mind. But anyway, he, he, he would uh, give away... Uh, his money, and there's lots of, of uh, motivational speakers that live on 10%. They aren't even close to being Christian. They're totally new agers. And so they, they, they for shame to some of us who, uh, Christians that I've known, not, I don't mean literally shame on us, but people that have been so stuck. I, I know numbers of multi heirs that have all sorts of little spinning plates, and they say, Well, here's what I think. And they go into these real strange, you know, uh, defenses of why they hold on to this and that. And they're they're really the the people that are afraid of of the whole issue of money, the the fear of not enough provision. But Jesus makes it clear that we are pipelines, not pans, that hold on to. Does that make sense to anybody here? And so we need to break free from that. Well, today we want to look at the the life of Moses again and uh, work at uh, living in the opposite direction, the opposite spirit of what goes on in our, our lives where the fear exists. And so what we need to do is to attack that by living in the opposite spirit. And uh, what Moses, we see today, was uh, focused on was uh, the fear of the future, as I see it, the fear of the future. What that caused me to do was live in his head. He was a guy that we talked about last week who had fire in his belly. He was a, a thinker, thinker, thinker. That part part of my, my drinking here, but I get a dry mouth when I speak. I don't know what the deal is. I can talk all day long and I never get a dry mouth, but I talk to you guys at the second service, not so much the first service. I have a completely well moisturized mouth the first service. But at you guys, it's, what's the deal here? You guys give off some kind of a, a pheromone or something? I don't get it exactly. But anyway, he, he had a, a fear of the future that uh, somehow as he lived life that he had been so disappointed He was such a guy with a a thinker, as he had been so hurt in the past, he had a need to project into the future and say, I will never, I will never, I will never. So he lived in the future, and he was so afraid of making a mistake again. And what God says is, I need you to live in the present. I will show you how to live in the present. the way that I will deal with you and I will love you and so forth. So what we need to do today is... And I think it applies to our lives as well, is how to live in the present versus just the future. And, and that's what it applies to us. Now let me give you a little thought here for a second about living in the present versus the future. When we live and we live and we think about the future alone, live in our heads, in other words, versus living in faith, expressing trust toward God, all sorts of weird shenanigans begin to happen in our lives. We begin to treat people differently. We begin to treat God tragically differently. And what happens is, uh, I, I believe it erodes our ability to live at peace with God, to live in a healthy um, relationship with God at all. And so what happens is, what we do is we, we destroy any possibility of trusting in God. I'm going to try this just a second. Oh, there we go. Oh, that's wonderful. If you want to come up here after the service, just open your mouths, and I'll go down the line, <laughs> spray it in your mouths. And this is actually, it's wonderful. It's called Spry Rain. It's, you can get it at the natural food store, Sprouts over here. But uh, the, seriously, if you want to come up here, just open your mouths, and I'll give you a spray of this stuff. But, so anyway, what, what happens is that you go back to people in scriptural history, like, for example, Adam and Eve. Think about this for a second. They're in the garden, this yeah, serpent, I don't know if it was a lizard or a snake, whatever he was. Could have been a, a salamander. I, I think about that for a second. Could have been one of those. But he appears, he talks, and he talks them into thinking that God is not trustworthy. They get stuck in their brain versus in their hearts of trust. And they begin to think forward, da-da-da, in their heads versus the trust. And what does he do? He says, you know, God cannot be trusted. He doesn't have your best interest in mind. You know the story. Does this make sense to you guys? And all of a sudden, they begin to think, you know, that makes a heck of a lot of sense. And so they begin to go from living in the heart and the trust level to beginning to live the way Moses had lived for a long time, thinking, 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 thinking. A guy who was afraid to be disappointed one more time, the way that, I don't know about you, but I've lived that way a time or two in my life. Maybe for 15 minutes, I don't know. Maybe 16 minutes. And uh, maybe you guys, I don't know. The first service, one person alone raised their hand. But uh, anyway, uh, as that happens, they begin to say, I cannot trust in God, therefore I will violate this thing he's called me to do. And after that, everything went to heck in a handbasket. And so um, that's you know the way that it works. And so what we need to do is the, the opposite of that. We need to attack the fear of uh, of worrying about the present, by worrying about the future. I'm sorry, by living in the present, as as God calls us to. I love this verse in Psalm 37. It's a uh, a guy making an observation. The psalmist, I have been young. Is it on there? Okay, I have been young, and now I am old. Yet I have not seen the righteous forsaken, nor his descendants begging bread. Isn't that a great verse? It was a little after the time of. Moses, but you know, it's one of those verses where, you know, when I am young, you know, I, I don't know about you, but when I was young, I spent a lot of time worrying, worrying, worrying. I remember as a young parent, maybe you guys can relate to this, I didn't make a lot of money. I, I remember being so concerned about having kids, and I'm thinking, I was so excited about having kids, and then it hit me, they cost money, you know, and... <laughs> G willikers, I wish that we had talked about this before we had kids, Janie, and uh, we were so excited. What was I thinking? And uh, then a second kid came along, and I was a little less concerned. I'm thinking, throw caution to the wind, you know. Well, you know. And then a third kid came along, and I'm thinking, oh, my word, I must be insane in the membrane, as I like to, to quote Cypress Hill. And so, you know, on it goes, does anybody remember this slightly? And I'm just the only one. Did you win the lottery? Uh, maybe you didn't. Uh, I didn't. And uh, so... Began to think a little bit like Moses, being afraid to, to, to face the, the future. And what God was calling me back to is, it's going to be okay. Calm down, Steve. Uh, if I had medication to take, he probably would have said, take your medication. I didn't at the time. And I'd drink less coffee and so forth. And what ended up happening was, was this whole thing of, I, I came back to this very psalm more than once. I have been young, and now I am old. I've never seen anybody not provided for It'll work out. Hang in there, baby. Remember that? that anybody old enough to live in the 70s? You know, the, the, the kitten hanging on the chin-up bar? You can look on, on Google if you're you know, under 75. You know, you'll be able to see it. But anyway, and so, uh, and, and so what we need to do is get beyond where Moses was stuck. He was stuck. He was stuck. He was stuck. Again, he was a guy who had fire in his belly. He was, you've heard of type A's and type B's? I think that he was a double A. Maybe a triple A, the little teeny batteries, a triple A. And when you're a, a triple A, I think you, be, you can think so much, you can think and think and think, that you begin to crack up after a while. Because there's no, be- well, you can use the word crack up or you know, mental breakdown, nervous breakdown, whatever you want to call it, because there's no way to express that, especially when you're out in the, the back 40, as my grandpa used to call it, when you're out there by yourself and you're watching the flock and you're holding your staff, there's nowhere to go, and you're thinking too much. You know, it'd be better to be less of a thinking person, but some people can't turn it off. I'm not gonna ask for a raise of hands there, but I know what he's like, is I'm a thinker and a thunker, and I wish I could turn it off as well. Anybody ever watch Mr. Monk, the, the <laughs> detective show? They, they ask me questions, get this, I'm the guy that remembers my locker combination from the seventh grade. I remember all my neighbors' phone numbers from the 6th, 7th, whatever grade, not to mention my phone number. As Mr. Monk would say, you know, they, they say, it must be a, a blessing to remember things like that. And he goes, it's a blessing and a curse, but mostly a curse, is what he says. You know, Mr. Monk and a bit of Steve Shugrin are uh, people like Moses. You know, I wish I. it's a blessing and a curse, but mostly a curse, because I think too much, more than once a week, I cannot sleep because I'm thinking too much. Maybe you can relate to this a little bit. I get up and I watch TV. This week I, I get up to watch TV because for whatever reason, Jenny doesn't want me to watch TV while she's sleeping. <laughs> What's that all about? What, can you pray for Jenny afterwards today? She, we have a big screen TV in our bed, bedroom but it's because we brought it with us from Oregon. And uh, so we put it in our bedroom. <clears throat> she doesn't like the gigantic light on her when she's sleeping. <clears throat> so... I go out in the other room and watch TV because she insists on that. And so I'm, I wake up in the middle of the night. I wake up at 5 a.m., and I'm leaning on the couch. How can you fall asleep on the couch, leaning? And I wake up several times a night, and I'm just sleeping sleep in my boxers, and uh, my legs are, I'm not even lying down. I'm asleep. It's just a weird way to live. You, you just think too much, and you, you cannot fall asleep like a normal person. And so I think Moses was kind of a, you know, a version of Mr. Monk meets, you know, you know Mr. Monk meets Steve Shulker and they have a baby and it's Moses. Okay. This is what it is right here. And so he's dealing with the pain of disappointment. He has been gigantically for decades, 40 cotton picking years, disappointed. He's ready to crack up. And so maybe he has cracked up already. So he's stuck. He's stuck. He's stuck. He's stuck. And, um, uh, I think what he's going over again and again and again is, gee, I will never do that again. He's projecting into the future. He's replaying, probably to a large degree, what happened in Egypt. So he has 40 years to meditate, if you want to call it something nice, to meditate on what has gone wrong. And he's saying, I will never in the future do that again. I will never do that again if I ever live again beyond that, if I get a chance to any more opportunities. And so what I think... Human tendencies is to draw into ourselves, no matter how you're wired, even if you're a type B to some degree, that uh, you are drawn into this real possibility of thinking things through too much. And as a result, you're frozen in place. I had a prophetic, I think it's a prophetic dream a few years ago of me lying down in bed, not really sleeping, but getting up. There's a suitcase by the door, opening it up. And then pulling all the clothes out, neatly folding them up, putting them back in the suitcase, shutting the suitcase by the door, lying down, uh, thinking it through, going to the door, opening the suitcase, taking everything out, folding it, putting back the door, happening over and over and over like a, a bad cartoon or something. Opening, folding, by the door, lying down, opening, folding, shut the door. You see the point here? It's just an unending preparation for the future. It's completely unhelpful. Is that a word too? Okay, unhelpful. But... Uh, and so I think this is what goes on. We get future focused to a way beyond what is helpful. And so I think this is what Moses was doing. I know that I have done it many, many times. And so what goes on here is that God gets involved in things. I love the line uh, that a, a friend of mine uses. He said, when God gets involved, everything is subject to change. Isn't that a great line? You might want to put that in your, your paper up here. When, when God gets involved, everything is subject to change. So God enters the picture here, and he begins to work on Moses, or as Keith Green called him Mo. I kind of like that one, too. And he He begins to, to speak to Moses, and, and uh, you know, God gives him an assignment. He says, I want you to go out and go back and talk, and uh, Moses automatically gives him a response. But what if, and, a, you know, a typical, you know, thinking ahead and kind of a fear response that, I would give it, you know, but if you're living in your heart versus your head, you probably wouldn't even give that kind of response. But Moses, because of the way he's been wired all these years, gives him a but God, what if kind of response. And so verses 1 and 2 of Exodus 4, would you put that on the screen if you would? Then Moses said, What if they will not believe me or listen to what I say? For they may say, (laughs) again, future, 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 uh, the Lord has not appeared to you, and, you know, uh, verse 2, the Lord said to him, what is that in your hand? Okay, you like that? And then, actually, in the Hebrew, I went back and did an exhaustive study in Hebrew this week. And it's not just a two-word response, a staff. Actually, it says there's a three-word response with a comma between them. It goes like this, uh, a staff. Actually, in some versions, it's the, it's the, um, the, um, the uh, what do you call it, the Simpsons, Homer Simpson response. Duh, uh, do, uh, uh, staff. Okay? So what he's doing here, that's that's the Hebrew Homer Simpson version there. But uh, what he's thinking is what God is saying here is essentially this. What you've always had in your hand is plenty of abundance that I am calling you to do. What you've always had in your hand all these many 40 years has been plenty to do what I've called you to do. You don't need another experience to come upon you. You don't need any more provision. I talk to, I'll just give you an example. I talk to, because this is kind of my world so many times, is coaching church planters, what I call stuck pastors. They want to do this, but they haven't been able to pull it off, and they, they always have an excuse. We need more money. We need more this. We need more of that. Uh, you know, I'm just not gifted enough. Ba 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 ba. And you know we we would be growing just like those guys in, in Asia and Africa. If we only, if we only, if we only, ellipsis, dot, 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 you get the point here? And I always say, what's in your hand? They say, what do you mean what's in my hand? Are you making fun of me? I go, well, yes, I am. On the other hand, <laughs> I go back and I show them that that verse two. What God said to Moses, what is in your hand? Sometimes they get it, they start to cry right there in the spot. You get it here? You get it? And they they say, wow, what is in your hand? You have something in your hand already. And it's a thing you didn't recognize. It's a thing you thought was dead a long time ago. And by the way, if you look further in the, the chapter, guess what that happened there? It began to sprout out of that dead wood, which had been dead for at least 40 years, probably longer because it had been dry wood when he began to use it as a, as a staff, it sprouted a, uh, an almond branch, an almond sprig. You with me here? It was alive and it had vitality. We know that it was from an almond tree. I didn't know they made almond trees that big you could actually cut a, you know, a staff from it. What you've had in your hand has life in it and it has the power to bring my life through it. I kind of like that, don't you? What you have in your hand is plenty to do what I've called you to do. And you were only complaining, and you were saying, if I only had the experience, if I'd only had the provision, but what you've had in your hand that you thought was dead as a doornail is what all that you need. And I'm going to do some... And I'm going to talk about this next week, but there's way more than that in the story. But it's, it's a, kind of a cool little story that goes on there. And uh, let, me, let me tell you, what goes on here is that he's trying to, the enemy is working on Moses, the way he worked on Adam and Eve, the way he's worked on so many people. Uh, many of the prophets, Elijah has this amazing confrontation with the, uh, the Baal prophets. They all get whacked. You know, it's a, an incredible story of Mount Carmel. And then he, what does he do? He gets, he gets uh, threatened by this 90-pound little woman who looks like a bad impression of the wicked witch from the west who doesn't even have a broom by for god's sake you know and then he runs away at full speed and he's, he thinks he's gonna get killed da-da-da. it's just under you know ridiculous levels of exaggerated you know threats and he's out there on the uh, the south 40 and uh, he where's i going with this i just blanked out here it was a good story but uh anyway he he goes out there and he begins to here it is. It begins to project into the future. I'm about to have this, this, and this happen. And what God says, what is going on here and now? He brings it back to the, the center. This is not going to happen. That fear you have is not going to happen. Realize what is happening right here, right now. He brings it back to the center. It happens over and over again, these false uh, things that are, that are not going to happen. If I could get you just to live right here, right now. That's the whole point of it. Now, look at this, this quote from Screwtape Letters, C.S. Lewis. Some of you guys know Screwtape Letters from who uh, C.S. Lewis is. And uh, uh, he, he writes this, uh, this book. It's, it's not a real long book. You might want to pick it up sometime. It's about an older demon giving counsel to a younger demon. And I don't know if they actually do it that way, but uh, the older demon is named Screwtape. The younger one is Wormwood don't you love these names? And uh, so Screwtape was writing to his nephew, uh, Wormwood. It was written, by the way, during World War II, where Lewis was trying to encourage people. Uh, the, the, the saying by, by uh, good old Churchill was, stay calm, carry on. Stay calm, carry on. He was trying to do a little bit of that in the weekly letters that he put out in the London Times, I guess it was called. And so he would uh, write these little letters and put them in the london times and it really encouraged people they're reading throughout the, the the country but it goes like this whatever you do keep him meaning the man he was tempting keep him entirely focused on either the past or the future keep him away from focusing on the present moment do what you can to prevent him from looking at the present by all means distract him so he doesn't realize that it's only in the present that life can change Ooh, don't you like that? If you miss it on this point, he will become a truly dangerous being. Don't you like that? Kind of this picture of the wheel of the bicycle can only get traction when it's right down there. Up here, it doesn't do anything. It's just completely, it's the future, but it doesn't get any traction there. All only gets traction where it goes there. I kind of like that. Um, and so what he's, what he's saying here is exactly what Moses needed to hear, that the more we live in our heads, the more fear tends to grow in us. The more we live in our heads, the more fertile the the fear is in here, and the more that we'll become incredibly less effective, the more incredibly fearful we'll become as people. Now, let me, let me give you three simple little ideas that will help you, I think, grow forward this week. Just... Something to put in your head, in your pocket, in your toolkit. Uh, you, you might have a little, these, you know, these guys that have a little toolkits around them. I, sometimes I like to just wear one around the house because it feels good. You know, just a, you know, give me one for Christmas or something and put in my tools in there. I, I'm a tool guy. Anybody else here, tool people? I like going to, to hardware stores like Lowe's and just walking up and down the aisles. And I'll probably never use them, but just everyone, buy a tool, bring it home, and Jenny goes, what's that? And I say, well, use this to find... Uh, you know, studs in the wall. So, what would you use that for? Well, probably never will, but it's just so cool. You know, it's battery operated, it has a laser. I'll put it in my tool belt and I'll wear it around next Monday when I'm off, you know. And uh, uh, how much did that cost? $8? Well, okay, that's not much. So, anyway, it's okay. You ready for this? Number one, don't take yourself too seriously. If you're going to attack the, the fear of the, of the future, you want to live in the present, you have to not take yourself too seriously. In other words, lighten up in general. Go to Wally World. You with me here, folks? Have big fun. You know, load up the family truckster. Put your aunt on the top of the roof. You ready here? You know, maybe put a tarp on it if you going to be really nice about it. You know, I, I, I like this line. It's from 2 Corinthians 3.17. You might want to check this out. You maybe never never noticed it before, but it's now where the Spirit of the Lord is, there uh, there is fun. Have you noticed that It's in the Shogun version, which you will not find on most online versions, but we're working to get that published, you know. So you know, even lighten yourself up, not just in, in life, but yourself up. And and you know, let me give you the thought. You know, why don't you think about doing the thing that Jesus has put on your heart to do? And you know what I'm talking about, the thing he's put on your heart to do. When I say that, something clicks in your head, and you're saying, the thing that Jesus has put in my heart to do. You see, if you're gonna lighten up and try to do something kind of fun, he's put something in your heart to do. And I I think that if we could see it, there's a, a thought bubble over all our heads right now. And you're thinking to yourself, but that would be risky. I might be misunderstood, Guess what? You probably will be misunderstood. Take it from the guy who is the king of misunderstanding right here. And I'm getting a little crown this week for my birthday. Jane's getting it for me. The king of being misunderstood or maybe a belt buckle like a rodeo one. The king of being misunderstood right here. I didn't go to the rodeo, but she's getting me one anyway. So if you get misunderstood a little bit, smile, come up here next week and we'll we'll commiserate about how being misunderstood a little bit. Take a risk. And see what happens. It'll be incredibly fun. Just maybe I'm not saying you know jump off the, the you know the tallest building in downtown LA with a, a bungee cord necessarily, but you know just do something that he's calling you to do. And smile. Take a little bit of a risk that direction, and and you know lighten up a little bit. So number two, get this. Look at your hands this week. Just turn them over and back and forth. Now. If you're going to, I think, lighten up a little bit and move forward in this idea of living in the present, you need to remember just how incredibly cool and amazing God has made you. Now, if it was a summer, I would have said, take your shoes off and squiggle them in the grass, but it's kind of cold these days. I don't, well, not that cold. If you'd rather do that, just take your shoes off and do that a little bit. But just get, get a, an awareness of the presence of God by his creation you know, slow it down a little bit. Maybe don't do it too much at work. Somebody walks by and goes, what are you doing? Are you on LSD or what? You know, it's rainbow-colored hand. Wow, it's moving. Can you see it moving? I think it's clown day at work, you know. But, you know, don't, don't do it too much. But maybe, you know, when you're at home and it doesn't look too weird, just, you know, just look around a little bit. You know, God is so incredibly powerful. He's right here, right now, upon my life. Just, he's here, he's upon me. And then lastly, go all in. Just, let's go all in right now. And you know, I I think it's so easy to dink around and to kind of think, and you know, again, I used that word before, but to think too much. And what God called Moses to do was to go all in. And I, I think that Moses resisted at first and he did this whole thing, but if I, but if I, but if I, but if I, and God comes back and says, what is in your hand? He's calling him to go all in. And I don't think there's one single person here today that doesn't have on his or her heart the desire to go all in, do we? Okay. You're being quiet, but I know that's your heart. We, don't, we all have a desire to go all in. I love that verse about the kindness of God. We're talking about, ultimately, the power of God that comes through the kindness of God here. I, I think it's... The way God moves all the time. The Spirit of God comes as we allow the kindness of God to flow through us. Romans 2.4, the kindness of God leads to a radical life change. Romans 2.4, the kindness of God leads to a radical life change. He's calling us to live radical lives so that we can not only be radically changed ourselves, we can give away his radical life change to everybody else. I, you know, I, I meet on occasion atheists. There's a whole new move today of young atheism because young people in America, people in their 20s up into their early 30s, they want something desperately. And I think the, there's an appeal to atheism. And I run into people that age all the time that want to have a, a little bit of an argument. You know, well, oh, you're a pastor or you're a Christian. I want to, I'm an atheist. And I go, well, here's what I ask them. How's that working out for you? And they go, Doing. Never thought of that before. How's that working out for you? They're reading Ayn Rand. I've read all of Ayn Rand's stuff. You get a merit badge if you read Fountainhead. It's about this thick. You know, she's a very sad, depressing person. And I don't know if you've read that stuff. But they kind of go from there into atheism. And uh, I I would say, well, that's great. How's it working out? And uh, they they just don't even know how to respond to that. And it begins to to wear on them. And they begin to, I, I think... Because the, they want to go all in too, they want they want to live radical life changing lives, and and I think that's what we ought to model to them. I'm living a radical life changing life. Why don't you join me? Let's go all in. Let's not play footsie. Let's go all in. You know, every time I say that, I get a chill go through me. I don't know if you hear it that way, but when I'm speaking it. I spoke it at the first service. I feel like electricity go through me. Do you feel that when I'm saying it? And I, You know, that's what Jesus is calling everybody to, even the atheists. I don't think those guys are going to be atheists very long. It's kind of like smoking for a teenager, you know. (laughs) How's that feel? Well, I think I'll stop, you know. (laughs) Fifteen. Did you smoke for three months? Yeah, I did. Well, that's probably okay, you know. Now, let's do something here together. Would you open your, your programs for a second? We're going to do something that's going to cause great damage to the kingdom of God. Uh, the kingdom of, no, not the kingdom of God. To the kingdom of this world, great damage to, I, I think, the fear of not enough in all of our lives. This is something that's never gone on at Granite Creek. We're going to try it and See see what happens. These cards uh, are going to be in the vein of what Jesus talked about when he said that there's Again, that uh, we talk about the fear of not enough financing, the fear of not enough provision. Because I, I believe in my heart of hearts is that our greatest fear is this fear that I will not be provided for, that I'm in this thing all by myself. That somehow God is not faithful. That somehow I am on my own. On and on it goes. It's the very beginning fear of Adam and Eve and so on. But read this with me for a second. Today I choose to come against the fear of not enough. I'll read it. You don't have to say it with me. It's okay. Uh, as I have prayed and listened to God, I believe that he is calling me to take a practical step forward. I commit to give back to God on a percentage basis according, these are the words of Paul, according to how he has blessed me. Uh, as I walk this out over the next year, 365 days, I ask that you as leaders of Granite Creek support me in prayer every day, each day. Now look at there. There's three places to sign. Larry Kepchinski, senior pastor. Next line, Josh Kepchinski. What is that last name? Okay. Kepchinski, <laughs> associate pastor. And then your signature underneath that. Now here's what we're going to do. Next week, I want you to think about this week. Just take it home. Think about it. Again, the, the top line says, what does it say? As I have prayed and listened to God, comma. Here's what we want going to do. We're going to think and pray and ponder and say, God, speak to me this week. Now, um, we're not going to do uh, something. We're going to dictate to you something, something, something. I want you to go and say, God, I want to annihilate the fear of not enough, the very core of all that fear. and If you want to come up and talk to me, I'd be happy to talk. But I believe, and I think this is a message of Jesus, that the, the core of all those fears is the fear of not enough provision. The way we attack it is by saying, God, I want to, on a, a disciplined basis, give back to you and I think the discipline basis part is that I want to hear from God, what is the percentage discipline basis he would have me get back to you? Because if we don't have a discipline, we'll be doing something here and there and throwing in this, throwing in that, da-da-da. And I think that what, what Paul is essentially saying is, you know, do something that is disciplined. You, you hear me here, folks? If you don't do something disciplined, you'll live in a, you know, strange world that is very American, but not very biblical. And so you'll end up doing a hairy, scary, helter-skelter, as the Beatles would say, uh, thing. And and I just say, you know, God, show me what I ought to do to be a disciplined disciple of you. Speak to me. Now, the Old Testament Malachi, of course, says 10%. You know, I talk about my friends that are well healed. Some of them ought to give way more than that. If they could only, you know, hear, I think, in a clear, objective way from the Holy Spirit. Now, there's the widow's might. Some of you ought not to give that much. Now, I'm not sure who that'd be. I'm not going to suggest that you weasel out of that necessarily. The word weasel is in Greek. Weasel gigantos is in Greek, actually. Okay, you guys. I, mean, I'm, I love you guys, but okay. I wasn't serious. Okay, just come on. Give me a break here. I'm the new guy. And, uh, but you see, listen to the Lord. Ponder. Walk around. Holy Spirit, speak to me. Holy Spirit, speak to me, and so uh, see what happens this week. And I, what I want you to do is listen. I am not going to tell you, Josh, Larry. None of us are going to tell you. There is zero influence from us, but from the Holy Spirit. Do you like that? You'll figure God can speak. And so we're going to do again. The whole point here is not to say it's not about so much about finances, other than that we're going to allow the Spirit of God to break the power. The fear of not enough. Do you get that? Honest to God, that is my heart. Honest to Pete, that is not Larry's or Josh's heart. We want to do something practical. And of course, it does have to do with with support, et cetera, et cetera, Um, because uh, that causes everything to go forward. But would you do this with us? I I think it's a very exciting thing. I think we're going to look back a year from now as we have done this together, as you've been prayed for. Oh, here's the other part. We're going to sign it together, Larry, Josh, and then you will sign it. We'll pass it into the offering next week as uh, really a a symbol of what we're going to do. And everybody will sign it. We'll send it back to you in the mail. And you can put it in your Bible. You can put it in your journal. Um, If you really want to get kind of bold with it, put it on a magnet on your refrigerator. It's kind of a a daily thing. I am praying. I am walking in faith. And we will be praying for you. Uh, We'll put it on an Excel spreadsheet just for the pastors to know to pray for you. I'm praying for da-da-da, I'm praying for da-da-da. It will not be a a deal where we happen to, whatever, 365 days a year, you will be supported in prayer. That's our agreement. Is that cool? You like that, huh? Yeah. It won't be a deal where, you know, Bob only gave this much. We're not praying for him. We'll pray for him just a little bit, you know. (laughs) That's not, we won't even be on there. It won't even, we don't even know what you're saying. You with me here, folks? We don't even know what you're saying to the Lord. That's the cool part about this, you know. So, hey, let's uh, close up in prayer. Would you pray with me at the end, Lord? We thank you for your 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 Spirit who speaks to us, and not talking about the cards here, but Lord, your your Spirit that speaks to us and, and empowers us to live beyond the fear of the future. And we pray, Spirit of God, that you would come upon us right here, right now, and that you would liberate us to live in the, uh, the here and the now, by your strength, by your spirit. And Lord, we've all done this enough now. We've lived like Moses. We've lived in our heads. But we say, Lord, empower us to live as you empower us to live. Not afraid of the future, but to live in the here and the now by your spirit, by your provision. And so, Lord, we, we walk that way this week. We'll walk one day at a time, one day at a time. Lord, we, we believe that saying, yard by yard, it's hard, but inch by inch, it's a cinch. Lord, let us walk that way this week. In the name of Jesus, we pray, amen. amen. All right, worship guys, come on up here. Oh, we're gonna do an offering too, I forgot that part. If I forget that part, I'll probably be in trouble. So, uh, ushers and usherettes, come on up here. And uh, and let's get back to the Lord. I, I like to say, Give strongly. I kind of like that that word, and uh, because what we're doing here is so cool, we're we're really giving a lot out, and uh, so we give this back to you, Lord. We pray that you'll be glorified. We worship you as we give now in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.